Praise God. Hallelujah. We're so blessed today. Um, Tony's, Tony Cook's here, and, and I was just talking to him in, in the office. He's been all over the world. He teaches and preaches the gospel. He's so solid, and, and I, I have so much respect for you. And so would you just welcome Tony Cook this morning? Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful to be in church today? Let's just lift our hands and our hearts one more time. Father, such a joy and an honor to be in your presence and to be with your people. Lord, thank you that Jesus is alive. Thank you that he's in our midst. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is here uh, to touch lives. Lord, you've already ministered so beautifully to your people. And Lord, I believe you have just even more in store for us. And you love your people so much. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence and your anointing today. And thank you for the privilege of being able to be together as the family of God. We need each other and we celebrate each other today. And we just thank you that you're for us. You're not against us. You're here to lift us up, not put us down. And Lord, we just thank you for hungry hearts to hear and to receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Well, I'm so excited to be back, and Pastor Donnie and Rhonda, thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to be with you guys again. Uh, Lisa and I, Lisa so loved her time yesterday with the ladies. Um, I'll tell you, guys, let me tell you something. If you will come and pick your wife up after those, there's usually some stuff on the tables left. (laughs) Brother Steve and I experienced that firsthand yesterday and and uh so you might just want to say no honey i'll take you to the uh to the ladies i mean i'll pick you up afterwards i'll come in walk you to the car and it's only because i love you all right that's probably not the whole story but anyway uh it was i I got to hear a little bit yesterday got to partake a few of the snacks yesterday it was really good um how many of you know we need church Uh, We need each other. Uh, The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Thank God we can have an individual relationship with God. How many of you enjoy that? But we also have a family relationship with God. And uh, that is so needful. Before I jump into the message, I want to show you a couple pictures uh, real quick. The first one coming up are some books that we have. Um, and we have a few more than this now. This We need to update that a little bit. Uh, but the center stack is English. And uh, we have all those out. Is it this lobby? Which direction is it? This direction. Thank you. I'm totally turned around. Okay, it's that way out by the uh, beautiful glass atrium and all. Um, and uh, we also wanted to show you just for fun the uh, translations that we have of these different books. And that blesses our hearts so much because these books are being used uh, to train ministers and to um, just help equip Bible school students in many other parts of the world. And we've got our first, uh, we have a couple books 
books in Spanish that are all through Central and South America, but we're about to print our first Spanish book here in the States, and we're very excited about that. Uh, India and Nepal are both uh, translating uh uh, at least one of our books right now. So these are continuing and increasing. And if any of these English books will uh, bless you, benefit you, we'll uh, be very thankful. The next picture is simply two of our latest uh, books that we have. And um, In Search of Paul just came out a couple months ago, maybe even six weeks ago. And In Search of Paul is a sequel. It's a follow-up to our book In Search of Timothy. And uh, Timothy is about how Paul, uh, Timothy served Paul. And the In Search of Paul book is about how Paul trained and nurtured and mentored young Timothy. And, you know, we need mentors in life. And you've got some great leaders here. And um, not to take anything away from any pastor's ability to pour life into the people as your pastor and pastoral staff do. But how many of you know we can also benefit from uh, ministers like Martin Luther and John Wesley and Charles Spurgeon and D.L. Moody? You know, how did some of the greatest ministers of all time, how did they help cultivate the spiritual growth of their students? and church members and how did they help train people for maturity and things like that so that's what in search of paul is about and then the other book called uh, uh, miracles in the supernatural through church history if you like history and if you like the idea that god's been doing miraculous supernatural things for the last two thousand years um, you might enjoy that book as well but we're going to look at a scripture today I'm going to talk to you today about the priesthood of the believer. How many of you ever heard about that idea? The priesthood of the believer. Now, we think about priests... And we think about different religions, and I think about some of the places where I've been. Uh, one day in a southeastern Asian country, I had taught at a Bible school, and, um, and, and they said, do you want to go around and see some of the things in the city? And I said, yeah, I do, because I always like to see things in different countries and different cultures. And we went to a, um, this country had kind of a, a pretty equal um, ratio-wise of, of Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus, kind of an equal number. And um, they have a law in this country, which I, I think it's kind of a nice law from the government that no religion can attack another religion. Uh, how many of you think it's kind of good if we just don't attack each other? And You know, um, so, you know, they're allowed to preach what they want to preach in this country. They're just not allowed to attack or get up and, and, uh, from the national government standpoint, they celebrate each of the other's holidays. You know, those are days off of work. And so, like two Christian holidays each get a day off work for the whole nation, you know, two holidays from each of, so they just try to be real equal and, and that type of thing. And so, um, I just thought, well, from a civil standpoint, I think that's better than burning down each other's, you know, 
places of worship and stuff like that. I have my particular beliefs that I'm a little bit partial to on, you know, Jesus being the only Savior and the way, the truth of the life, and that no man comes to the Father but through him. But, you know, I'm not going to attack somebody just because they believe differently than I do. Uh, you know, they don't, number one, they don't have to be our enemies. Number two, if they are our enemies, Jesus said, pray for our enemies and bless them. So our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. How many of you know that? And uh, so we went by just to see what it was like, went by a, a mosque, and we went by a Hindu temple, and we went by a, um, a Buddhist temple, and we just saw different activities going on in different places. And, and one of those actually had a, a big festival-type celebration going on, and, and uh, there was one of their priests out there one of their holy men, and uh, they had a big wagon with um, some statue. It was one of their gods, I guess. And um, to show their devotion to their God, uh, this uh, holy man of this particular religion uh, didn't have a shirt on. Um, not that that's anything holy, but uh, he had a, a, a big hook, like a big fish hook, stuck through his back. And a rope attached to the big fish hook type thing. I mean, this thing pierced his skin, and it was a pretty big flap of skin that they stuck that hook through. And then the, the hook was attached by a rope to the wagon, and he's, he's walking through the streets, pulling his God around, bleeding from his back. And I thought, wow, I'm glad I don't have to carry my God around, you know, with a hook through my back. I'm glad that my Savior took some piercings in his body so that he could shed his blood for my sin, and now he's alive and he can carry me around. Uh, so I, I'm going to stay with what I got, all right? Um, but what I'm wanting to say is that every religion has their holy men or their priests, and, and the common people tend to feel like, well, the, the priest has special access to God that I don't have. And they know mysteries and they know secrets and things like that. And, and so what it does, I mean, even I grew up in a church that we didn't even have priests in my church. I grew up in kind of a traditional mainline Protestant denomination, but I always had this idea uh, because, I, number one, I had more of a religious understanding than a real spiritual understanding. Um, I always felt like I was kind of a spectator. I was kind of an outsider. And the preacher, and, and can, can I tell you one thing? I'm not against preachers. I am one, okay? So please don't think for a minute I'm saying anything against preachers because, man, that'd be dumb for me to come in here and, you know, I'd shoot myself in the foot. But I always thought I'm kind of an outsider and the preacher's an insider and he's got some kind of special relationship with God that I don't have, and that I'm just kind of a spectator sitting in the pews and that my main religious activity is going and sitting as a spectator. Did anybody grow up kind of like that? And, um, but I want to share with you this verse. It's, it, Peter said this, you know, one of Jesus' key top disciples, and he's talking to people who are born again. How many of you know what it means to be born again? 
to have a relationship with God, to be a, a new creature in Christ, to be a child of God, to have your sins forgiven. How many of you think that's better than not having any of that stuff? I think it's good to be a child of God, to be forgiven. But Peter describes this. He says in 1 Peter 2, 5, he says, you also... Now, he's not just talking to some preacher or group of preachers. He's talking to every Christian. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. Now, if we just stop right there, which we're not going to, but if we did just stop right there, we know two things. Number one, we're living stones. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a living stone. And then say to them, you're a living stone. I'm glad, Pastor Donnie, that I'm not talking to a bunch of dead rocks today. This, this church, but, but see, you're not just living stones. You know, see, I can walk, well, anywhere around here, there's a lot of rocks in this part of the country, Right. But I could walk through a field somewhere and here's a rock, there's a rock, you know, just rocks everywhere. But you know what? They're just, they're, they're separate, they're isolated, they're not connected in any way, shape, or form. But if I were a craftsman, which I'm not, if I were an architect or a builder, or if I had some kind of special skills in that realm... You know what I could do? I could, I could gather up a bunch of those rocks. Now, I might have to, number one, I'd have to have a plan. And number two, I'd have to have some tools to kind of knock the rough edges off. How many of you know some rocks, you know, they, they just, they wouldn't fit well together because there's too many jagged edges, right? But if I was a wise master builder and had the skills and to, I could gather up a bunch of those rocks and, and I, I'm going to need to do some work on them, but I could shape them all a certain way and I could, I could put them together in an orderly way and build an amazingly beautiful house. See, it's one thing for there to be stones, but it's another thing for them to be built into a house. Peter said we are spiritual stones, but we are being built together into a spiritual house. So if I'm going to be part of God's plan, number one, I'm going to have to be willing to have some rough edges knocked off of me. Anybody else ever been through, God ever knocked any rough edges off of you? Like maybe dealing with, I don't know, uh, whatever traits of carnality, you know, happen to be a part of your history. And, and, and then those, those stones have to be brought together, right? And they have to be constructed. And, and there has to be some kind of adhesive to join those together for it to be a spiritual house. And see, that's kind of a picture of the church. We're each individually living stones, but, but God has brought us together and God's doing work on each of his living stones so that we can fit together better and be joined together and we become something as a unit that we could never be by ourselves. By ourselves, I can be a living stone. 
By yourself, you can be a Christian, but it's only when we allow the master builder, the one who said, I will build my church, it's only when we allow him to join us together that we become a spiritual house. And then he says something interesting, a holy priesthood. Think about that. You are, this is something I I don't hear taught a lot. And it's something that I've been reminded of lately. Uh, And when I say it hasn't been taught a lot, how many of you know there's a million things in the Bible to teach? So I'm not, you know, it's, but we we just, this is why it's going to take us a lifetime. And and really, it's going to take us all of eternity to explore the depth of God's wisdom. Are you with me on that? But I want you to know today, if you don't remember anything else from today, remember that you are a, what does he say? You are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God, uh, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So you may say, well, what happened earlier in the service? Well, we sang songs. Did you know we did more than sing songs? What were we doing earlier? We were functioning as a holy priesthood. We were offering up spiritual sacrifices. How many of you glad we don't have to offer up natural sacrifices? How many of you glad Pastor Donnie or Pastor Steve or some of the ushers didn't meet you at the door and inspect the pigeons that you brought in to see if they were blameless and and look over the... How many of you are glad we don't have to do that anymore? We're not here bringing natural sacrifices. That system has been done away with. We are here offering spiritual sacrifices to God, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Why are we offering sacrifices? The priests of the Old Testament offered natural sacrifices. You and I get to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ, and they're acceptable, they're pleasing to him. And then verse 9, the, the, the Peter goes on to say, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So you're not just a, a holy priesthood, but you're royalty. Do you know there's not any common people in here? You're not, so the person you're sitting next to is not ordinary. The person you're sitting next to is not common. That person is made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God. God thought enough of that person sitting next to you that nobody else has their fingerprints in the whole world. God has every head on their hair. He doesn't just know the grand total. He's got each one numbered. Unfortunately, God has to recalculate frequently sometimes, but that's a whole nother topic. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Peter twice called you, called me, called all of us a priesthood. He said we are a holy priesthood and we are a royal 
priesthood. I want you to remember today that according to the Bible, according to the New Testament, now not necessarily according to religious, you know, situations and, you know, scenarios, you may not be a priest according to some hierarchical situations, but according to the New Testament, you are a priest. You're a spiritual priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. Uh, one great preacher, Vance Havner, said this, every Christian is a priest, not offering a sacrifice for sins, since that has been done once and for all, but offering his person, praise, and possessions. Isn't that a great statement? We are priests. We come to God not to offer a sacrifice for sin. Jesus did that. Jesus, it's kind of interesting when you study the book of Hebrews, Jesus is both the high priest and he is the sacrifice it's, it's kind of a, it's just a beautiful understanding of Scripture. That's why we don't have the Old Testament sacrificial system anymore. We're not offering up uh, uh, sacrifices for sin. But what did Havner say? But we're offering to God our very person, our praise, and even our possessions unto God. If that doesn't convince you what Peter said and Vance Havner's quote, let's look at this other verse. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says that Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Say this out loud with me. Close your eyes and say this. Jesus has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. When was the last time you thought about you are royalty? You're royalty. You're a priest. You're, you're, not un, you're not common. You're not ordinary. Um, now, you know, sometimes we start thinking, I, I am a, I'm royalty. I'm a priest. You know what? We should never, ever get the big head about that. I'm, I'm really somebody. No, Jesus made you somebody. So don't start thinking you're that because you're so awesome and cool and all that type. You're that because he made you that. To him be glory and honor forever and ever. So when we talk about your priesthood, don't let it cause you to be prideful, but, but it should cause your heart to be grateful. So let me give you a quick thought about what priesthood is. And, and kind of a little working definition, the priesthood of the believer means that we all have the privilege of accessing the presence and blessings of God as well as the responsibility of sharing and conveying those blessings with others. Two things I want you to think of about what it means functionally to be a priest. It means you have the privilege of access. Do you know that you can go to God through Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week? 
doesn't mean we can't pray for each other. That doesn't mean we can't encourage each other. It just means that that you personally as an individual and we corporately as a body, we come into the presence of God. You say, we just do that directly? Well, the Bible says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. We are his under priests, if you want to call it that. But, but our priesthood functions and works. We have access to God through Jesus, our high priest. And you know what? We don't just have the privilege of access. Do you know that we have responsibilities? And I'm telling you, we love to hear about our privileges more than we love to hear about our responsibilities. If we give you an example, if I said, okay, this morning I'm going to preach, I've got two sermons, I don't know which one I'm going to preach. I'm either going to preach about, Jesus said, uh, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Or the other thing I'm thinking about preaching is, Jesus said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Now you're going to act like you want to hear that second message. But you're only doing that because I just set it up that way. I want to hear that I can have life and have it more about, how, at least our flesh. How many of you will at least admit that you're, you're still human, you still have flesh, and you'd rather hear about the abundant life than taking up your cross and denying yourself? It, is there anybody here that would say that they'd probably prefer that? But, but you know what? Both parts of that are true. Both parts of that are the New Testament, and we shouldn't tr- think we choose one and reject the other. Uh, it's not either or. It's both and. So hey, here's another statement that I want you to see on the screen. Our priesthood... The fact that we have access to God and and the privilege of going into his presence uh, in Jesus' name and, and, and accessing the blessings, our priesthood does not lead us into a carnal independence from others, but unites us in a rich fellowship with fellow believer priests together We present ourselves to God, pray for one another, and offer up praise uh, to worship him. So what we call the priesthood of the believer, it doesn't mean we don't need each other. It doesn't mean that we don't need pastors. It doesn't mean that we don't need teachers and prophets and and different ones. Um, it, It means that on a personal level that we all are washed in the blood of Jesus. We all have access to God. He'll hear my prayer just as much as he'll hear your prayer. He'll hear your prayer just as much as he'll hear my prayer. We are priests together. Now, the fact that we are all priests doesn't mean that God doesn't give people certain abilities to do certain things. Can I give you an example? I'm a priest, just like you are, with the priesthood of the believer. But I'm not going to say, well, I'm a priest, so I don't need Willie to lead singing. I'm going to lead a song here. You would find out immediately the limitations of the priesthood. (laughs) That's like saying, I'm a citizen. 
of the United States, and I'm having uh, problems with my plumbing at home. I'm a citizen. I don't need a plumber. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? The fact that I'm a citizen means that I have certain rights and, and privileges as a citizen of the United States. It doesn't mean that I have every skill necessary. I still need electricians. I still need plumbers. Why? Because they have gifts and skills that I don't have. Citizenship is great, but it, it's like saying, well, I'm a believer. I'm a priest. I have access to God, so I don't need to go to church. Or, or I'm, a, I'm a priest. I have the privilege of access to God, so I don't need to have a pastor, you know, encourage me or minister to me. No, no, different people in the body of Christ, we're all priests, but we're also all gifted differently, and we have different assignments, so priesthood speaks of our relationship with God and, uh, and our, our access to God, our, our responsibilities coming from him. Here's a great verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. This is what Paul says, that God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. See, if you don't know the Old Testament, you're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage here because that is priestly language. That is priestly language. Paul was a Jew. And he fully understood the Jewish system. There was a group of people called the priests. And a very small percentage of the population of Israel could function that way. And the priests were the descendants of Aaron, the original high priest in the Old Testament. And only the priest could operate in the tabernacle or the temple. And the priests were the only ones who could offer up sacrifices. And they would offer up these animal sacrifices. Blood was continually being shed because it all foreshadowed the time when Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So that all the blood of the animals, the goats, and so on, that was a, it was a temporary covering, so to speak, until Jesus could come and once and for all offer himself as the sacrifice for our sins. We know that those Old Testament sacrifices were temporary. That's why they had to keep doing them over and over and over again, because they didn't provide the ultimate solution. But once Jesus died on the cross, he never has to go back to the cross again. He never has to be sacrificed again, because what he did, he did once and for all, and you're forgiven today as a result of that. I'm forgiven today as a result of that. But the Old Testament prophets, or priests rather, would do these sacrifices and then they would go to another place. It was a a brass basin full of water and they would have to wash themselves off because the blood was on them and things like that. And then a priest would go into the inner part, the holy part of the tabernacle or the temple and he would go to an altar of incense. 
And the priest would offer up incense that symbolized worship to God. But you know what? All the people had to stay outside. The people were outsiders. The people were, well, they weren't even spectators because they couldn't really see. They watched the priest go behind, inside, out of their view. But you know what? There would be this incense coming up representing the prayers and the worship of the people. But then the priest would come out and bless the people. Have you ever been in a smoke-filled room? You, you don't have to explain what, that's probably under the blood. But um, if you've been in a smoke-filled room, what happens when you walk out of that smoke-filled room? That smoke is saturating your clothes. It's in your hair. If you have a beard, it's in your beard. Everything about you permeates, you know, uh, that smoke. And so the priest would come out. And you know what he would smell like? The, the perfume or the aroma of the worship of God. And so Paul here says in the New Testament, God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like frag- fragrance rising up to God. Let me give you five very quick things. These will not be long. Five very quick points. Number one, we function as priests when we offer our very selves, including our bodies, to God. If you're a priest, and the Bible says you are a holy priesthood, you are a kingdom of priests, then we need to know, so how do we live as a priest? You know, I always thought a priest was just some guy that dressed funny and looked different than everybody else. And, you know, uh, that, but I'm just saying every, every Christian in the, in the New Testament is really, according to the New Testament, a priest. So how do we, how do we function as a priest? Number one, we function as priests when we offer our very selves, including our bodies to God. Remember, there was a day in the Old Testament where if you wanted to come to God, you brought a a dove, you brought a lamb, a ram, a a cow, um, you know, something like that, and you offered it. You gave it to the priest, and the priest offered it on your behalf. You couldn't even offer up your own sacrifice. That's how much of an outsider you were. But today, you're a priest, and you don't have to offer up any of these other animals. You get to offer yourself to God. What does Romans 12.1 say? Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, what did they do? They offered dying sacrifices or just dead sacrifices. But in the New Testament, we are told to offer up living sacrifices. Offer to your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
The next slide gives that statement in the common English Bible. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. You know what would happen if every day... This is a good discipline to have. Just every day before your feet hit the floor, say, God, I'm yours today. I give you my body. I give you my mind. I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my tongue today. I don't want to say anything except what would be pleasing to you and a blessing to others. God, I give you my ears today. I don't want to feed on, you know, Pastor Donnie made a great statement. He said, don't watch too much of the news. I agree because it's about 1% news and about 99% opinions. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> I'm sorry. But anyway, I, I like the news. I could, I could be a news junkie, but I'll tell you what, it's just not edifying. I like to know what is going on, and I stay up on current events, but I don't sit there and marinate in that stuff. And you do what you want to do, but um, it, it's, most of it's not very edifying at all. I'm not, I'm not in favor of being ignorant and ill-advised and uninformed, but I'm saying we really need to make sure that what we're feeding on is holy and helpful and edifying, kind of like what Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, what are th whatever things are true and pure and lovely and virtuous and of good report, if there's anything like that, dwell on these things and the God of peace will be with you. All right? So anyway, uh, so we function as priests when we present ourselves, including our bodies, entirely to God. Number two, we function as priests when we worship, praise, and pray. I alluded earlier, and didn't the worship team do a great job today? So good to have people lead us into worship and things like that. Now, see, here's what our priesthood means. Our priesthood means that you can worship at home by yourself. You don't just, you don't have to wait till church to get into the presence of God. You can live in the presence of God at your house. And see, again, I, I really want to bend over backwards to be careful because some people say, well, I don't need to go to church then. I've just, I just, I'm a priest in my home. I just worship God at my house. Yeah, you should do that. But priests are meant to assemble together. Priests, are, you can exercise your priesthood at home individually and privately. That is absolutely true. But isn't it beautiful? Isn't it? It, it becomes a symphony of, 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 of a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, when we all lift our voices to God together. That's part of God's plan. So be a priest, but don't be an isolated priest. Don't have a carnal independence about you where you think you don't need others. We do. But we function as priests when we worship, praise, and pray. Psalm 141 and verse 2. This is so beautiful. Let my prayer be as the evening sacrifice that burns like fragrant incense, rising as my offering to you, as I lift up my hands in surrendered worship. 
See, when we pray, we shouldn't just be going through rituals. You know, that priest, when he went in in the Old Testament tabernacle or the temple, when he went behind the, the curtain, when he went into the holy place, he would take that, that incense and, and it would burn. And as that incense rose, number one, he would smell it. And, and it would begin to, not only would it go up and ascend, and, and that was symbolizing the, the worship and the prayers of the people of God. But like I said, it would saturate him, would saturate his clothes, it would saturate his whole person. And, and he would carry that fragrance then, you know, for some time. And David wanted his prayer to be like that, to be like the evening sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter th 13, and if you really want to study about the priesthood, the high priesthood of Jesus and the priesthood of believers and why the Old Testament uh, pattern ha has been fulfilled in Christ and set aside and how now we have a new priesthood, we have a new high priest, uh, we have a new covenant with better promises and, and, and so on. Uh, the book of Hebrews is your go-to book in the Bible. But comparing the Old Testament versus what we have now, the author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 13.10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That is all priestly language. In the Old Testament, they had an altar, an altar of incense that very, you know, most of the priests never got to go in and offer up that incense. Around the time of Jesus, you know, we get a little glimpse of this from Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. When Zechariah got to go into the uh, uh, holy place and offer up incense, and then the angel appeared to him and told him they were going to have a son that would be John the Baptist, most priests never got to go and do that. There were 18,000 priests in the land of Israel at that time. There were so many priests that you only got to serve two weeks at a time throughout an entire year. The rest of the other, well, some of the special holidays more than that went. But, but for your regular priestly duties, you only got to go and do it two weeks a year. And there were thousands of other priests, and only one got selected to go in, you know, per day or morning and evening. And, and Zechariah basically won the lottery. I'm not encouraging you to play. I was, I was illustration. All right. So, and most of the priests never got to do it, and... Uh, if you did get chosen to do it, you are never allowed to do it in your entire lifetime. The priests of the Old Testament, even though they were the priests, they rarely got to go into the presence of God. Today, 
Through Jesus, through His blood, we're a holy priesthood. We are a kingdom of priests. And we have an altar that we can go to 24-7. We don't have to win the lottery. The Bible says He was chosen by lot. So... um, Uh, But we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Do you know how blessed we are to be in the New Testament? Do you know how blessed we are to be able to say, Father, in the name of Jesus? We can do that individually, but you know what? How powerful it is when together we come together. and, And as a corporate family of priests, we all lift our hearts to God. One final verse on this, Acts 13, 2 in the New King James Version. It says, as they, this is the church in Antioch, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Notice, see, so many times when we think of prayer, we think of asking for something. And can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with asking God for something. Um, You know, God doesn't mind us having things. He just doesn't want things to have us. And Jesus said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. We're not against that. But But when God spoke here, when God spoke, it wasn't when they were saying, God, give me this, God, give me that, God, give me the other. It was when they ministered to the Lord. See, that's priestly language. When they ministered to the Lord. I, I, I want to say it this way. I've never thought of this before, so if I'm wrong, correct me. Um, but I wonder if we don't get more from God when we minister to Him than we do when we actually ask for things. It's just a thought. Number three, we function as priests when we serve. In John chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. Well, you say, well, that kind of sounds more like the worship. Well, I suppose it would overlap. But what Mary was doing in ministering to Jesus, she was actually serving him. Because it was traditional in that day when you went into somebody's house, if you were a guest, your feet would be washed by a servant. In this case, I mean, do you ever go through the car wash and there's the basic wash? Or you spray some soapy water and rinse it off. And then there's the deluxe wash where they throw in some kind of wax or something like that. And then there's the super deluxe wash where, you know, well, let's just say it this way. If, if, if this is Mary acting as a servant, she was giving Jesus the super deluxe. It wasn't just washing his feet with water. She is washing his feet with this valuable, expensive perfume. And, and it goes on to say, look at this. 
And the house, she wiped it with his, his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. That is priestly language. The aroma. You, you say, well, 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 that's just only if we do something Jesus personally. Did you know what Jesus said? Inasmuch as you've done it for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. I'm, I'm just an usher at the church. Inasmuch as you've opened the door for a guest coming into church, you've done it for Jesus. Oh, I just work with the kids. If you even give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you will not lose your reward. Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. When we serve one another, there is a fragrance of of, of servanthood um, that, that, that fills the house. And think about Mary. When she got done, you know, pouring the oil on his feet and, and wiping it with her, you know, tears and her hair and so on, imagine what Mary smelled like. She would have carried that perfume. There's something beautiful when people serve God from the heart. They carry the priestly aroma in their life. Number four, we function as priests when we give. Isn't it funny that we stopped using the buckets for so long, Pastor Donnie? And, uh, uh, you know, that's just a, a mechanical thing. Uh, whether we give through a bucket, whether we give through a box at the exit, whether we give through, you know, apps or online, whatever. What we're talking about today is not the mechanics, but the heart of the giver. Do you know that when you give to God, you're functioning as a priest? Did you know that in the Old Testament, if somebody said, hey, let's go to the tabernacle or let's go to the temple and worship, did you know that had nothing to do with singing a song or hearing a sermon? If somebody said, let's go to the temple and worship, what that meant was get something and give it to God when you get there. Nothing wrong with the songs, nothing wrong with the sermons, but that just wasn't part of that pattern. I'm glad we do worship, and I'm glad we do hear the Word. But in Philippians 4.18, look at this, talking about we function as priests when we give. Philippians 4.18 in the Passion Translation says, I've received the gift you sent by Epaphroditus and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice perfumed with the fragrance of your faithfulness which is so pleasing to God. That is priestly language. When we give with the right heart and with the right attitude, we're exercising our New Testament priesthood. We're offering something that's a fragrance, something that is pleasing unto God. Finally, number five, I'll wrap this up. We function as priests when we evangelize. 
when we share the good news, when we fulfill our function of being salt and light in the earth, Romans 15, 16. By the way, the word evangelize, evangelism, evangelist, all of that goes back to a Greek word that means good news. How many of you are glad we have good news? You know, you can turn on the news and find out how bad things are in the world, but you can come to church and find out how good things are in God. Romans 15, 16, Paul says, He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Whenever you, and you say, well, that's Paul, so yeah, Paul was a priest. No, he says it's a priestly duty. But did you know that in the New Testament, when great persecution came against the church in Jerusalem, the Bible says that they were scattered and went everywhere preaching the word. Another verse later, it says they were all scattered except the apostles. Any believer who shares Jesus with an unbeliever or influences that unbeliever to put their faith in Christ, it is a priestly duty because when that person gets saved, you are essentially offering them up to God. You're offering the person to God to become a living stone, a living sacrifice. We're called to a priestly life. We function as priests when, number one, we offer our very selves, including our bodies, to God. Number two, we, we function as a priest when we worship, praise, and pray. Number three, we, we function as a priest when we serve. We function as a priest when we give. And number five, we function as a priest when we lead other people to Jesus, when we share the good news. You guys are amazing. You're not common, ordinary people. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have stuff we're working through from our past, or you know, we're getting our minds renewed. We're getting our flesh under control and things like that. But, but as a born-again child of God, God's completely committed to perfecting you, maturing you, developing you, making you, finding you as a living stone. And then in this church, under the leadership that God establishes here, priesthood doesn't negate leadership. He's building us to be a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for this time that we've had together. And Lord, I thank you for the people listening, people watching online. And I just pray that you'll help us, Father, to understand who you've called us to be. You've not called us to be passive spectators. You've called us to exercise our priesthood to know that you've made us to be, uh, as Peter said, a chosen generation, uh, a royal priesthood. Uh, we thank you for who you've made us to be. And just before we close this service, I never like to close a service without making sure that everybody present 
You know, we, we should never assume that somebody attending church has really given their heart to God. And um, Jesus simply said this, if, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, if you want to enter it, you must be born again. And I just, I love you so much, I can't let you leave this place thinking that you're okay because you've been a good person. Can I tell you, you can't be good enough to go to heaven. I can't let you leave this place thinking that if you, you know, become perfect, that God will somehow accept you. Nobody's perfect enough to go to heaven. Some people think, well, if I'm religious enough, I'll make it to heaven. The Bible doesn't say anything about being religious. The Bible talks about having a relationship with God. And Jesus made that possible. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never reject them, cast them out, turn them away. And I, so I just want to share this good news with people here, people watching online. I want to lead us in a prayer here in just a second. Uh, allow you to express your faith. Allow you to give yourself to God. Receive his life. Receive his mercy. Receive his forgiveness. I wonder how many people here today would say, Tony... I need Jesus in my life. I, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I'm a child of God. Uh, how many of you would, would be in that position today where you say, you know what, I, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he shed his blood, but I don't want it to just be some intellectual thing. I want to give him my heart. I want to give him my life. I want to follow him. I want to receive his life and his forgiveness. Or how many else in here might say, uh, you know what, I served God at one time, but man, I've gotten away from God. I haven't been living for God. I need to rededicate my life to God today. I'm like the prodigal son. I've been away, and I need to come back to God today. In just one second, and, and, and this is for you online, we're going to pray in just a second. But everybody that in your heart today, you're saying, yes, that's me. I've never given my life to Jesus, and today I want to. I'm going to today. I've been away from God. I'm going to come back to God today. The Holy Spirit's calling me home. How many in this place, when I pray this prayer in just a second, that is going to be your exact prayer from your heart. Let me see your hand all over this place. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. There's four. How many? Many others in this place would say, today is my day. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to come back to him today. Are there others across this place that just with uplifted hand would say, Tony, when you pray this, I'm all over this prayer. I'm invested in this prayer. Are there others? What about upstairs? The lights are kind of bright. What about online? If you're watching online, listen, this is just as much for you today. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to pray out loud. Are you ready to do this? This is especially for those four that I saw raise their hands, people online who are ready to pray this. But you pray this from your heart. Let's all pray together. Say, Dear God, I come to you today and I thank you that you love me so much. You love me so much. You sent Jesus 
to die on the cross for me. He shed his blood so I could be forgiven. But Jesus did not stay dead. God, you raised him from the dead. And he is alive right now, offering me the gift of forgiveness, acceptance, eternal life. God, I surrender my life to you. I redirect the course of my life to follow you. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's give these a hand that just prayed that for the first time, that rededicated their lives to God. I know, Pastor Donnie, you'll probably have some instructions if somebody prayed that online. Give your pastor a wonderful uh, expression of love and appreciation. Pastor Donnie, thank you.